Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Life lessons, and uh, I'm not going to reboot all that, um, but I do want to say in, in setting up the next part of this is uh, I wrote this down years and years and years ago. Uh, it gives you an idea how old it is. It has coffee stains on the little paper and stuff. But as I was going through some uh, my own life lessons and stuff, I just felt the leading of the Lord to write down what he was speaking to my heart. And it's this, what you can't control, you fear. All fear is in the future. What you fear, you tend to deny. You try to make it go away. What you deny makes you wrong and you slip into wrong beliefs. You start believing the wrong things. And where you are blind results in bad choices because I was wrestling with the Lord about some choices I had made. And he just took me through a little mini lesson and went, boop, 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 boop. I went, this all stemmed from me being afraid? And he goes, uh-huh. You know. And uh, if you remember the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz, harf, harf, you know. And then he gets smacked on the nose and goes, you know, and starts crying. Well... I don't know if I was that bad, uh, but man, it can be, sometimes our, our voicing things in courage when we're going through tough times just doesn't seem to work. I can't, that doesn't seem to generate. Have you ever gone through that? If we're going to talk real uh, in here, have you ever gone through that where you're trying to voice, you're trying to step into faith, you're trying to be that person that, uh, and it just feels kind of weak and impotent. Here's what I know. I had an old friend who now lives in Nashville, Tennessee, was talking to me about prayer. And he said, what are you learning new about prayer? And I said, prayer is the language of God to let me know I'm not alone. And he went, what? And I said, It's so I know I'm not alone in this. And God gives us prayer. Well, prayer is something you ask. Not all prayer is that. Prayer is recognizing where you're really at and voicing it to God. That's really what prayer is about. It's not about being a world changer. It's about being a heart truster. And uh, maybe that'll make us all world changers. And uh, that I know that often when I pray about the future, I have to um, very fine line uh, between fantasy and faith. Faith can, faith can slip into fantasy very quickly. Well, then how do you know, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit knows all things. So this is what I understand. Life was designed by God to instruct us and learn about Him and about ourselves. God designed 
life so that we would do that, even in the purpose of being here and what your identity is, because that's what this is really ultimately all about, is he designed life. So he didn't design it with all the, the roller coaster going up the hill all the time. I, I hate that moment, don't you? I don't like roller coasters anyway. You should see me. I'm just a screaming four-year-old. Ah! It terrifies me. Worlds of fun is worlds of fear for me. I just don't. You know, I'm that guy that walks around with a, pocket, a book in my back pocket and everybody else is riding the rides and I'm on the bench reading because it's just not. And then I did youth ministry, so you can imagine what I look like. Well, isn't that fun? No. I'm not getting on that thing with you because that creak, 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 creak. I just, I don't like that feeling. Why would you pay somebody $35 to feel that way? And then it's, a, you know, you get right at the top and then it's, ah, and you throw your hands in the air. I don't throw my hands in the air. I leave fingerprints on the bar in front of me, you know. It's sheer terror. Have you ever watched Shadowland? It's a movie about the life of C.S. Lewis. And it has one of the most profound lines in it when he goes through personal struggles that, that really, I think, have maybe ever been written. Um, but he's in, he's in a deep distraught. You know, he, find, he finds his wife late in life. Her name was Joy, so he, you know, he, he wrote a book uh, regarding his testimony, Surprised by Joy. And she just was an American that just interrupted his life. And then she got cancer not too long after they got married. And bone cancer. And he watched her go through that process. And she had brought him through the understanding in life that life isn't a, isn't a painting to be looked at. Like... It isn't a scene to go, wow, that's a gorgeous scene. It's meant to be experienced and stuff. And so there's a line where he's talking after she's died and, and gone to heaven. And he's just, man, he's going through it. And he turns and talks about somebody gives him some platitudes, another professor friend of his. And he says, listen, life is a brutal teacher, but you learn my God, you learn. And it's a play on words. You learn. My God, you learn. You learn about God. Because life can be a brutal teacher. We looked at this last week. Jesus never promised you there weren't going to be difficulties. There are hard things. Well, you're just being discompassionate this morning. I don't even know if discompassionate's a word. Um, no, I'm not. I'm trying to be realistic. We go through hard things, you guys. I haven't seen anybody get excused from it. You know, life isn't a vanilla ice cream cone all the time. It's just not. And it's... Uh, it was designed by God to bring us into the understanding of, I think, our humanness, His divinity... The joys that we can have and, and the pains that we go through. As C.S. Lewis, another line from that movie, is explaining to his adopted son, uh, 
some things about it because the child was an adolescent, about 12, when she passed. And he said, the joy today is the pain tomorrow and the pain today is the joy tomorrow. We go, we go through these things and, then, and, and there's things that, we, that just seem to hammer on our hearts. What are we supposed to get? Maturity. We mature through these things. That's what we're supposed to get. God tell you, you know, well, he's not a good God. Oh, yes, he is. You will see, but it takes time. And it takes God working his time into your life. Um, we've often, in, in trying to evaluate things, I've heard this passage of Scripture so misinterpreted and so misapplied for so long and used as a credit score, uh, used as a uh, line of demarcation, whether you're an innie or an outie. And in doing so, you miss the very purpose and idea and understanding of not only what Paul was writing, but who it was writing to and what he had just scolded them over. We tend to take chapters 5 and 6 from the book of Galatians and move them away from chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 1 is one of probably the biggest rebukes in the Word of God. It's this, he asked that church, who bewitched you that you would go back into legalism and religion? Who cast a spell on you to make you trade the liberty that you had in Christ for a set of rules that you can't ever march up to? We read it and we rejoice in it. We say, well, I found freedom. And then we get to chapter 5 and we go right back into it. And we use this passage of Scripture to mark how good or how bad we're doing. What I've really learned about this passage of Scripture, and we're going to read it, is this, this very passage of Scripture is about the marks of a maturing believer. God is at work in their lives. And even warns about, don't, don't use this to decide whether you're in the Spirit or out of the Spirit. You're in the Spirit, and here's what happens. When you're in the Spirit, you can tell when you're being tempted to go to the flesh. When you're in the flesh, you get called back to being life in the Spirit. And it, you, here's what you're supposed to get. Realizing that God's at work in you, maturing your life. And so He marks you with these things. And you can go, wow, I never expected to have joy there. And suddenly I have joy. Is it because you mustered up in your heart joy? No, it's because the Holy Spirit lives in you and it's His fruit. And He is making Himself evident in your life and you can go, oh. And then you start wrapping your heart and your prayers around joy and suddenly you're finding more there. And so it's, it's this progression. It's the marks of a maturing believer. Listen to this. I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Anybody go through that? 
I, I, you know, I sure wish every time that something went wrong in my life, I went, well, praise God, here's another trial for me to go through. I don't do that. But I've learned in maturity to go, oh, this is a trial. And if I go back and do that the way I did it the last time, I'm just going to be walking right back into the flesh. It's a mark of a believer to go to learn from it and to grow and to, and to manage it. So let's keep reading. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, the temptation when life hammers against us is to go right back into legalism. I got that because I did this. The minute things start going wrong, all of us like to return to our religion. All of us like to return to our religion. We do it this way, little thoughts. What did I do to deserve this? We make little statements inside of our thinking. How come that happened? Oops, I did that again. When am I ever going to get over this? When will I stop? We start, we start hammering away. And guess what you're in? The flesh. That's the flesh. And you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit because the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. The works of the flesh, he says here, are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, and I told you in times past, that those who practice don't inherit the kingdom of God. The people who have the Spirit of God don't continue in this. That's the mark of a maturing believer. It doesn't mean it didn't ever happen. Doesn't mean that it won't ever happen. But it does mean this, when I see it, I get far away from it because I know what kind of mark it will leave on my life and what kind of mark it will put on other people. I notice the marks of it. I can identify it. So. Paul is not here trying to tell you how bad you are. He's trying to say, look, when these things, they're evident, he says. You can, you can see the work of it, and it's never good. It's so easy for me to be in the Spirit when I'm all alone. Yes. <laughs> Praise God, me and Jesus. Me and the Holy Spirit. I just had Brenda was babysitting our, two of our grandkids, and so I just had the house to myself for a couple of days. Oh, was I in the spirit. It was so wonderful. I could dance without inhibitions. Nobody was there to go, what are you doing? I could sing going up and down the driveway at the top of my lungs and I didn't offend anyone. It's amazing how much I can be in the Spirit then. But you see, life has a way of 
navigating you to where other people are around you, even when you don't want them. Have you ever noticed that God sends people in the most inopportune times of your life? And that things happen when they shouldn't? This morning, I'm walking up the hallway, and I'm walking up the hallway, and all of a sudden my foot goes down really weird, and it feels funny, and I look behind, and my heel's back there about three feet to my (laughs) shoe. You know what comes out of my mouth right at first? No, wasn't that. Was not that. Stop it, you're in the flesh. How, here's what, here's what came out. Now, what are we going to do about that? Because I had gotten very familiar with having been alone, just talking out loud with God. Well, I immediately started to look for super glue around here. You know, you can only find super glue when you don't need it. It was so emblematic of what we go through in in little ways of life. Now, the tough things that we go through are a lot more than losing your heels. So what would you do about it? It doesn't look like you're limping. Well, I do limp a little bit, but I raced home. Had grace to break the speed limit. (laughs) And got a different pair of shoes and came back. But I was laughing on the way in because I went... Boy, you know, what, what a wonderful example you want to give. All that stuff happens. All the flesh stuff has its opportunities when you least expect it. It catches you off guard. But here's what I know. I don't practice losing a heel. I don't practice how I should walk when my heel comes off my shoe. So I walked really stupid. What happened to my heel? But when I saw that it was broken, I did something right away to get it right. It was the mark of a mature believer. What shall we do now? Go home. So who's one of the first people I talk to about it who walks in right when it's happening is Brenda, of course, arriving at church. I go, I threw a shoe, you know. Here's a... <laughs> she says, we'll go home. I, she said, what are you doing? I said, looking for super glue. And she said, that won't fix that, go home. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's life, there's wisdom. By the way, gentlemen, if you don't listen to your wife, you're stupid. Just listen. Go home and get it fixed. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't hear in this passage of Scripture, there's no gigantic shift in thought. He just puts a little conjunction in there. But... Now remember, we've looked at this word quite a few times. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now remember who he's writing to and what he's been writing to them about. Against such there is no... You see, our temptation when we go through life is to find the legal way of in which you are inhibiting the work of the Spirit in your life. That you've done something wrong. And he turns that on its heel, understand what I'm saying, and says, against such there's no law. Don't turn this into an inny and outy thing. If I have this, I'm really good. And if I have this, I'm really bad. He's saying, no, don't turn it into legalism. Embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have the heart of a learner that immediately turns to the Holy Spirit and says, talk to my heart right now. I need you right now. I need your voice right now. That's a good prayer, by the way. How do you know he's saying that? By the next part of this passage. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. When am I going to ever stop doing this and learn how to crucify myself? It's not what it says, is it? They have already done. It's over. It's finished. You don't have to live in that decision making that sends you into that. Uh, what's the weird guy on Princess Bride? The pit of despair, <coughs> where he coughs it out. Pit of despair. <coughs> and then starts talking normal. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That is not magic. Walking in the Spirit is reminding yourself of who Christ is in you. That's walking in the Spirit. My engagement with the Holy Spirit is walking in the Spirit. Doesn't mean walking in perfection, it doesn't mean being able to pray the circumstances away. It's a way of trusting God. So he says, don't don't become conceited. Don't think more of yourself than you should, provoking one another and envying one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. I'm a human being. So are you. You can get tempted with stuff that I have no idea of. But you don't know what I get tempted over either. How then do we treat each other? Don't use this as a measuring stick to decide whether that person's okay or not. Sometimes it can hurt for quite a while. And usually when you think you're the one to tell somebody to encourage them to move on and get over it, you're not. 
you're not that one. You're not the one that's supposed to do that. You were the one that the Holy Spirit was revealing the stuff to so that you would pray. Let the Holy Spirit do His work and you do yours. Well, I think they need a good swift kick. No, they don't. No, the minute you think that, you're probably wrong. Not always, but probably wrong. Life in the Spirit is being there for each other. So he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He brings his, brings his whole church up to a higher place. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I can't fix you. I can't even identify very good what needs fixing. I can hold up a mirror of reality and say, this, this, this is what's going on, but you can't fix somebody. I can't fix someone. God can. God will. Well, God's showing me that he wants to use me in that area of ministry. Oh boy, have you got a long road with a broken heel. Let each one examine his own work and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. When I've, when I've been in the position, and obviously I'm in vocational ministry, I, I function as a pastor and so people come to me uh, often when they're hurt and... Uh, this is what I found. The best thing to do is to teach what the Word says and then share my own experience. It's to share what the Word says because I don't know all things. This, the next verse, is the stuff we take so out of context when we're talking about what he's talking about here, maturing through life experiences. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will, will <clears throat> of his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He's actually distinguishing between believers and unbelievers. Because if you have the Spirit, you know what the Spirit's always going to lead you to? <laughs> to sow spiritual things I can't seem to get that the spirit lives in you there's some things that you don't have regarding choice in this way God's God and he doesn't stop do you notice that through life experiences he doesn't quit he doesn't go away when you most want him to. Did you ever want God to go away? There's been a couple times I wish he hadn't been hanging around. And then I had to tell him about how embarrassed I was for the way I behaved. That's what that's talking about. 
He doesn't quit on anybody. He doesn't quit on anyone. This is when you move into the John Lynch stuff. On your worst day, God doesn't quit. If he did, none of us could make it. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He moves it in a way, way bigger realm for the marks of maturity. I hope this is penetrating in. So then he gives this wonderful, after, after seeming to give a really tough, I mean, this is pretty tough teaching. It's basically, come on, get over yourself and you know how to do the right things. He says this, he is very compassionate. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. What's he trying to say with all of this? Right where we started. Life's a brutal teacher. And when you're going through stuff, you need other people to stand with you. They don't have to understand. They don't have to fix you. They just got to get beside you and link arms with you. Because sometimes I grow weary and faint. And I feel like I'm going to fall and stumble. The Federalist, uh, which is a, 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 an organization that does, has a, a new site and writes articles and, and going clear back to the start of our country. And they're, uh, they're very conservative in their views and everything. But they, they wrote an article this week about if we don't like the way things are, how to bring about change and that you don't need a majority in America to bring about change. I think we're seeing a lot of that going on right now. And so what it is is they listed out, they said, 85 things you can do. Now you don't have to do all 85 of 85, it's quite a list. Um, but it was these 85 things that you can do if you don't like what's going on in society and our government around you. It's very practical. Here were some of the things. Attend church on Sunday. Attend church at midweek service. Get involved with your community of faith. There's little things like that. It generated in the heart. You're going... How will that change anything? Because you're going to be walking in the Spirit. That's how it'll bring change. Galatians 5 and 6 is not a punishment reward passage. It's about the marks of a maturing believer passage. I have to make sure I'm not sowing to the flesh. Well, that's easy. Stop it. That, that's what he's saying here. It's pretty easy. Stop doing that. And all you have to do is look at the results of that. It doesn't feel very good. How do I start sowing in the spirit? Pretend you're all alone. 
and go up and down the driveway and sing real loud. Dance when nobody's looking. I tell you what, when nobody's looking, I am Rudolph Nureyev in the spirit. I can dance. My heart rejoices. What does that do for you? It's, it's life in the spirit and I'm practicing it. And then sometimes um, when the tune changes and the dance is different, I don't feel so awkward. I don't feel so out of step. And I'm familiar with what it means to do that. I don't like people watching me. I'm an introvert. I find it hard to speak in front of other people. I really struggle with criticism, even when it's constructive. I don't like some of the things I've had to do as a pastor. But I've learned so much about life by doing all those things and listening to all those things. And my life has been marked and I've matured and I've grown. So will you. But you have to evaluate it and go, what worked? And what didn't? I can't do that alone. That's next week. We have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit. And he's our helper. He he will help us through these things. But don't use Galatians 5 as a, if I do this, then I'm going to get that. It doesn't work. When you try to use Galatians 5 for that, it doesn't work. I'll do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to get this as a reward. It doesn't work that way. Not even sometimes. Okay, maybe sometimes, but not very often. What it is, is it's for your heart to mature in life, not for you to get something. It's for you to grow. And it's an indication of the marks that you're maturing. And it's for you and the Lord together to be seen and for you to grow more when you notice that it's there. Yeah? Let me pray for you. God, let this passage of Scripture infiltrate both the weak and the strong areas of our life. How we view things, the way we manage them, how I work with other people. Times I want to say stuff and I know I should just be quiet. Times I don't want to say anything and I end up having to speak up. Help each of us through all those things. Help us navigate this. We are people of the Spirit. We have life in the Spirit. So help us, God. Help us. Let Psalm 23 
be our deep portion as we pray this week. That you would lead us and guide us. And that we could find those paths of righteousness. And that our hearts could grow from it. And help each of us that we may help each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you love each other?